Girls, where are you? Girls, where are you? Oh, here is one. She is hot. Hey, watch me. Ugh, that's messed up. It's because I'm a dog, isn't it? Oh, look. I really am a dog. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We have... Well, we're looking at possibly one of the worst films we've ever... Definitely one of the worst films we've ever looked at for the show and possibly one of the worst films ever made in the history of humankind. We are looking at Love on a Leash from 2011. I came across this in... It was a, a list of, like, weird movies. It wasn't even a specifically list of bad movies, but it was, like, bizarre movies, so included bad movies alongside, like, just out-there, trippy, weird movies... Um, this was on Letterboxd. Um, so it's a pretty uh, extensive list, and it had a lot of good stuff on it or interesting stuff, so you might want to try to track that down. So I came across it, and I read the synopsis, and it sounded bonkers, and I watched a trailer, and I was like, yeah, this looks real bad. And I think it has caught on a little bit on the internet. I think some like YouTube commentators and whatnot have, uh, have helped propel it to... I'll, I hesitate to say popularity, but, uh, you know, whatever uh, infamy, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so the movie is Love on a Leash. We will dig heavily into the plot, uh, such that it is. But at the crux of it, it's where a woman falls in love with a dog. There is more to it than that. So it's not quite as bad as it sounds, but still pretty bad as far as just that premise goes. Um, it was directed by uh, Fen Tian. Uh, who actually is a female director, which I didn't know initially until like near the end when of watching it and was looking things up. So uh, yeah, so terrible movies are equal opportunity and they can be made by either sex or gender um, uh, or any sex or gender, I should say. Uh, this movie also has zero Wikipedia presence, which is quite impressive because uh, many bad films <laughs> often have something that, that is written up about them. <laughs> It is on IMDb, and I was able to find a couple reviews that I could pull, uh, like like more contemporary reviews that I could pull some information from, and I'll talk about those later. I don't have any of the cast. Uh, we'll probably list some character names, or we'll just say the lady, that guy. We'll probably do those kind of descriptors. This is not a movie that really deserves us to remember the character names or you to remember the character names but also it's weird if you go on imdb it doesn't even list the full cast there's like a few characters who are fairly prominent that aren't on there one in particular there's a a suitor for our lead lady leading lady who is lisa um and he's an asian gentleman and i knew i recognized him from something i was like what has this guy been in and he is not on the imdb page for it and then i finally like found it somewhere and tracked him down and he's been in a lot of stuff he's probably in his like late 40s early 50s he's been in a lot of stuff in character roles but the most prominent one was he was the chinese delivery boy on numerous episodes of seinfeld so uh i was like okay yeah that's that's how i know him but he's been in a handful of other things that i've seen um but yeah so i don't know if he just like struck this from his imdb <laughs> if he threatened to firebomb them if they ever put his name on it or what but <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the cast list uh, seemed uh, kind of truncated. Um, it also listed uh, the main character. The main character, like I said, is Lisa. 
Um, it's played by a woman, I think it was Jana. Um, mm -hmm. But so it, it lists the actress and it lists her as playing Jana. So it's just, even on IMDb, it's just a, a shit show. So I don't know if stuff got put in wrong or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, uh, I, I cannot stress enough how terrible a film this is to the point that I do on some level feel bad for making people watch this. Now I've said Finally I've said before to people on the show, like like while we've recorded and also like when before the show records and everything, I've said, you know, bad movies make for very fun episodes. And our crew tonight is actually uh we've we've kind of jokingly referred to it, I think, as the dream team before because we had uh we had another we tried to get this crew together for crawl. And that ended up being a very good episode. Eric couldn't join us for that, but it was a very fun, very funny episode. And then we finally got them together to do the two Titanic oh, movies. The two terrible animated <laughs> Titanic movies was the first for this collaboration. And I will say that I think that that was one of our best episodes, period. But certainly one of our funniest episodes uh, was with that crew on those terrible movies. And that's so... So I expect this to be a fun, rollicking episode. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. But I will say, I do still, on some deep-seated core level of my being, feel I should not have done this to anyone. I should not have, including myself, I should not have subjected anyone to the point that I did send in our group chat. There's a famous uh, gif uh, uh, and meme of George Lucas after watching The Phantom Menace, a cut of The Phantom Menace, where he says... Um, I may have gone too far in a few places. And uh, and a lot of like Star Wars fans have circulated that for Star Wars things or other things. And so I did share that as my act of contrition that uh, perhaps, perhaps Love on a Leash was a bad idea. But we'll see what the panel thinks because maybe we have some Love on a Leash uh, defenders and champions amongst us. So we'll see. Um, all right, so we will dig Someday into Someday you'll plot. answer for your crimes. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, yes, I will stand before my God and have to explain <laughs> love on a leash amongst uh, numerous other things. Um, but I will say the me people who made this, uh, I, you know, I, I'm in a better position than they are. So, like, I'm, I'm at least hitting purgatory, um, you know, with, uh, with where I'm at. <laughs> So, okay, so yeah, uh, not a whole lot of front-loaded stuff for this one. We'll dig into all the weirdness and all the terribleness of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it just makes sense to dig into our cast. So, uh, everyone here, against their will, uh, we are, uh, we, we've got our uh, Dream Team cast here. Uh, Eric is returning. Uh, Eric actually has seen this movie before. I we he and I were talking about it. Uh, we were both going through that list. I'm surprised you didn't blame me for for this movie because I, I I think I mentioned it as a possibility. <laughs> well, I think no, I think my memory is we were both we were on the phone and we were looking through that list together. And I I may have seen it, you may have seen it, but we were we were both kind of in agreement, like oh we should do this. But I did say oh well yeah wait on that we'll do that in the next few months. And then you went ahead and watched it on your own. So Eric's penance is the fact that he has now seen Love on a Leash twice, twice in his life. Twice. Oh, God. It's got to be a world record. Because clearly whoever <laughs> edited the movie didn't even see it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not I don't even know once. they saw it once. Oh. Yeah. Badoosh. Jack and I are on the same wavelength there. All uh -oh. right. So, uh, so welcome, Eric. 
This uh, is, also uh... joining us here is uh, Jack, who has been on many of our episodes, uh, many of our bad movie episodes. She's a, a big fan of bad movies in general. And I noticed, or I realized that she's actually has a running theme now of being on our uh, bad movies about animals because she was re- most recently on Birdemic um, or, or very recently, I guess this one will, something else will come out since then, but she's on Birdemic, mm. but she was also on A Talking Cat, which featured <laughs> A Talking Cat, and this features A Talking Dog. <laughs> so uh, this one kind of pairs well, and then Birdemic doesn't feature any talking birds, unfortunately. <laughs> but they are it's still movies, <laughs> terrible movies featuring animals, so uh, that's one of Jack's themes now, that and puppets. So uh, welcome, Jack. Thank, thank you so much, Linton. Thank you for having me. Yes. She's uh, she's weirdly blinking in code right now. I think it's some <laughs> sort of Morse code going on. Uh, you do know this is not broadcast, so they, they can't they can't help you. Um, and uh, joining us here uh, again, um, he was just out trying to secure some choco tacos for his children, but oh, right. probably mostly for himself. <laughs> Uh, is Steve? How did uh, how did you fare on that? The hunt the hunt did not go well. It was mm, okay. uh, it was we have these uh, concerts in our local park, and other years they've had choco tacos, and this summer I believe even earlier in the summer they still had some, but they're gone. They're to no avail. And I would have you're right that I would have taken the last one over my kids. So, uh, but yeah. no, you're the, much the hunt taller was, than they are. It's not like they could get yeah. to the taco. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they could beat me in a fight, they could have it. But that's clearly not the case yet. So, sorry. No more uh, Choco Tacos. Thanks, Joe Biden. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. This is the angle I want. This is the path we need to go down for this episode. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, the only thing that got me the only thing that got me through this movie was that quote that I always see thrown around, which is that God saves his toughest battles for his strongest soldiers. That's... <laughs> that's the only thing that got me through this runtime. <laughs> that's all I could do. That seems like God propaganda to me. That's like that's like propaganda for God. The runtime, by the way, being a, a hefty one twenty-five. So hard. That is robust. So, uh, for yeah, this we movie. will open up the floor here. I know. We will open up the floor here uh, to everyone's thoughts. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple things I can say, uh, as usual. Uh, but yeah, thinking about it makes more sense. I'll, I'll come in after everybody else goes. Uh, but yeah, so what do we make of Love on a Leash? So love on a Leash. Uh, no, you go ahead. <laughs> so when it comes to the runtime, I think maybe I was, we were 10 minutes in watching this, and I was like, Surely it must be over soon. Like, it must be. So much has happened already, and I get where the plot is going. They can't They can't just keep going. There must be a ton of credits at the end. None of this was true. They just kept finding other plots to put in this movie that you just would never expect. Coming from out of nowhere, didn't make any sense. They're just like, chuck them in. Yes, make it happen. And the credits were very small. They were, like, so short because very few people worked on this movie. I don't know if you guys could tell. <laughs> but more than I thought, when I saw the outtakes at the end, there was an actual crew with the little oh my board God. saying action. I was like, no way. There were like... I was furious. They had a camera with time code, and they had a clapboard, yeah. like a fancy digital clapboard. I was like, who gave them the right? How dare they have professional equipment for this movie? 
Oh, man. Eric? Yeah, uh, Love on a Leash is a refreshing, original, romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> it's also the most shittily put together <laughs> movie I've ever seen. Um, I was excited because I was, you know, you, you hope for something on the level of the room when you watch movies like this. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, it has some, some major hits, but like the production quality made the room look like midsummer. It was just like, <laughs> it was, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the, that is something on the room. Like it's, it, the room doesn't look great, but it looks like fairly competently yeah, shot compared like, to a lot of bad movies. This yeah. was like, I only like, yeah, this, I mean, from the, from the beginning where you just think the sound is off before you realize there really oh just God. is no set. And, oh and Jack, gosh. I know that you, you often like to comment on like terrible sound engineering and moments in movies. Oh, and I was just, I'm curious about your take on the sound in general in this film. <laughs> okay. There, I have so much to say. So much. Well, like, let's, let's come back to that and let's get okay. Steve if that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, there's, there's going to be plenty, yes. plenty of time yeah. to explore all the nuances. That well, actually, that it was that was like terrifying to me when the sound would cut out. Yes. I like it was almost like being in one of those like sensory deprivation rooms where like they cut <gasps> yes. out like it's like that like scary level of quiet and and darkness where it's like you you lose all control of your senses. I usually kind of felt I've kind of felt I felt this whole movie like I was in the Willy Wonka tunnel, but it was going like fifty times <gasps> the speed of like the movie and i was just like gripping Perfect. the sides of my chair just being like screaming as it was going on <laughs> i because like so the it gets compared to the room a lot from what i've seen and as i was watching i was like yeah. i was like oh that's right i was like okay so this this movie clearly has to be made by like somebody who like doesn't like somebody who has no concept of like our culture like it has to there has to be some barrier and then it started to make some sense to me that it was, like, uh, directed by a Chinese immigrant woman. And the pieces started falling into place where it was, like, this is somebody who has, like, a very fragmented view of, like, the English language, of, like, cultural norms. And, like, nobody stopped her at any point to be, like, well, actually, we don't really say stuff like this. We don't do <laughs> We don't do this. Uh, and, like, so it has, like, that room quality to it where it's, like, somebody who was foreign really, really loves movies and was, like, somehow given money to make one and then made something that was, like, so utterly horrifying that you're – but, like, but there's that same level of, like, I see it through the lens of somebody who just loves movies and there's, like, this weird part of me that's, like, I'm so glad she got to make her movie. It seems I don't feel almost... good. But I'm glad yeah. she did. But it seemed almost defiantly incompetent. Like, <laughs> like you would think that someone that who is, has... That is an amazing, amazing <laughs> turn of phrase, Eric. Like, you would think that someone who has never made a movie in their life and has no idea how to go about it would accidentally make something better than... Like, it seemed like almost every decision right. was like, this is how you're not supposed to do this. Uh, she, yeah. There were a few tracking shots. Like, like there's a few, there were a few tracking shots where like she's in the store and like they're running like a dolly shot. And I was kind of like, that's not terrible, <laughs> but that was my extent of anything. Few and far this. between. I mean, but it did yeah. happen, the, 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 which made it all how, the more baffling and upsetting. 
So I don't have tons to say up front uh, other than, yes, this movie is truly terrible. Um, and as evidence of that for myself, on Letterboxd, it get, did get one of my very rare half-star reviews. So the absolute mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel, I, there's maybe like 20, 25 movies or something I've given that to. It's a quite elite category. Because before Letterboxd, for a long time, I was on like movie, I'm still on there, or, you know, Netflix ratings, that kind of stuff. And I always felt like a one star to me was like my basis for one star was the movie doesn't justify its existence. Like it just would have been better off not being made. A two star could be like a movie that's like really bad, but not quite that bad. Or it could be like a movie that could have been good, but has a lot of problems. Or it could be just a movie that's just fucking boring. So two stars were always kind of like open ended. But a one star was just like this just shouldn't have been made. And once I saw on Letterboxd, you could do half-star reviews. Well, that just opened up a whole new category, but it's still very elite. And that's the the half-star is just like, yeah, it's just like, oh, dear Christ, what what am I doing here? Um, And that's what this one is. Um, The other thing I'll say, I said this at the top uh, or before the episode started, was we'll talk about the plot. But what's crazy is this movie is under an hour and a half. It certainly feels like you're watching it for three hours. Yes. But it's less than an hour and a half. It's like an hour 25. But it has probably more plot. Like in terms of action, if you had to like write out what is the plot of this movie, what are all the actions that happen? It probably has more plot than any movie I've ever seen. And I will include in that like three, three and a half hour fucking epics, like Reds, like the Godfather trilogy, like, you know, the individual movies of the Godfather trilogy. Uh, I'll include like Heaven's Gate in that, like any big bloated movie, you know, 70s, 80s or whatever. Uh, Once Upon a Time in um, in America was a Sergio Leone one that's like three hours long. It's got a bunch of stuff that happens. So these movies that have tons of characters and it kind of zigs and zags and goes into things and certain plot lines get resolved well and certain plot lines kind of hang. Um, and those are always, almost always, you know, usually competently done. This is not. But yeah, like what's nuts is if you cataloged everything that was happening in this movie and sometimes the plot of what it, what it, what it would be is like, oh, well, this happened, and you would think, oh, that must, like, be, like, a 25-minute sequence, and, like, like if they build stuff, and you interact with characters, like, oh, no, that was, like, two minutes. They did all that in two minutes, and then they moved on to another thing. It's and got so, a corkboard with a bunch of string on it, like, trying oh, to piece I, together this movie. So, so that's the most insane thing. So, like, Jack had said, you know, that she couldn't believe how much movie was left, because yeah, they, like, there's a kind of central concept that they they present and you're like okay this is going to be dog shit no <laughs> pun intended there but but it's it's going to be terrible but then there's all this other stuff that you didn't need the central concept essentially and we'll dive into all this stuff but it's that a a a guy who was shitty in his past life i guess that we you know we're, we're given this so he was like, he was bad in his past life or specifically bad to women, was like a player or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he said he says something at some point. He gets reincarnated, I think, as a dog. So it's almost like a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing at the beginning where it's like well, how the beast was transformed or the prince was transformed into the beast. But he didn't start as a man. He was a man in a previous life. So it's already muddling it. So it's not like, 
he was human and then he got turned into a dog like fucking Tim Allen in the Shaggy Dog or some shit. <laughs> like, it's not like that. He has apparently been living his life or got reincarnated one day suddenly as a dog. So when the movie opens, he's just like suddenly a dog. Like a dog yeah. just exists and is like aware of its existence like that day. Like an adult dog is just there in the world. Like it just pops in. Like Frosty the Snowman. Or like oh, yeah. uh, Wonder Woman's boyfriend in the last movie where he's yes. just suddenly there and is a man in, a, in another man. <laughs> yeah. um, but... <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Raising is just incredible. Man another man. Hey, hey, that movie opened itself up to that phrasing, Jack. It sure did. There's a it lot sure of did. ways it could have gone about that. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so the guy's just suddenly a dog in this new life, and he knows to go to some sort of, like, fountain that's, like, part of, like, a public pond, and the fountain is magical. They call it something. Does the, he know it? Because I think he just walks up to it and starts yelling at it. And then, yep. well, yep. Yeah. Yep. well, so anyway, but yeah, so it's, it's magical. And the it's thing talks water back. Pond. Yeah. There it is, water pond. There we yeah. go. The thing talks back. And it's like, so we're, we're spoon feeding the audience that like, oh, until you accept true love, you will be doomed to stay in this body. And he's like, that fucking sucks. He changes <laughs> now. <laughs> and so then the rest of the movie is like going to be him trying to find true love and change out of a dog. So it's very, that setup is very similar to the, you know, fairy tale and Disney version of Beauty and the Beast. And you would think, okay, the movie's going to play out basically like that. It's going to be terrible that it'll play out like that. But there are so many <laughs> other things that happen in addition to that central stupid plot. Mm-hmm. He also can turn into a man at night. Just he, like, it just happens. So at night, he transforms into uh you know a, a sexy dude um or or as as sexy a dude as the uh production can afford um, inverse werewolf you see yes so uh but yes yeah, so that's kind of the central idea of it so it, this dog man has to find true love to be able to turn into a full-fledged human at all times but the insane thing is there are like 17 other plots that are happening simultaneously and many of them do not resolve themselves in any satisfying way so that is my opener from there we can go anywhere you want because the movie surely did (laughs) i really do want to talk about the production value because i think that's really going to inform all the rest of this Mm -hmm. um because we can talk about the weird ass dialogue we can talk about the insanity of all 70 plots but I think for the base, for that really to hit, you really need to understand what you're, like, seeing and hearing the whole time. Or sometimes not at all. Uh, so <laughs> there are, a, from my understanding, I found this out, there are a couple different versions of this. The version that we were watching uh, and the version that you can see on Amazon Prime has no music I, literally no um, music and everywhere that you think there should be music it's just silence uh which means none of the audio transitions are covered up from scene to scene which means there are long stretches of time where you're just watching things unfold in front of you with no mood setting with no nothing to like carry you through you just painfully mm-hmm. have to sit there and let it happen to you not even the white noise you get when people are talking during the movie nothing nothing which just is nothing at all 
Well, and, and on that point, it's very similar to Birdemic, which we just talked yes. about. Like, so the Birdemic has very little music, has the one famous song, yeah. but, uh, hey, but basically yeah. there's no music in the background. And then we talked about in the Birdemic episode that characters would talk and the audio would clip in yes. and it would be like, they're talking, they're talking. And then just dead silence, like just yeah. absolutely nothing. No ambient noise, no yeah. background noise, no like fake actor, you know, like, uh, you know, the extras talking, you know, like if you're in a restaurant or something. This movie does the exact same thing. So it's coming from a similar place of ineptness as yes. Birdemic was. But this is so much more because clearly, I mean, as you go on, it's like clearly there should be music here. I feel like Birdemic was never planned with music. And when I found out, I was so startled by six seconds in, you're watching the movie. I looked at all the timestamps. Six seconds in, total silence. The movie's still <laughs> happening. I'm like, oh, whoops, is this broken? Is my internet broken? So I skipped ahead. 20 minutes and I was like oh no there's sound so what's going on so I just keep watching it 65 seconds goes by you're just watching a dog in a park 65 seconds of pure silence no white noise no nothing and then suddenly very loudly <laughs> the dog is talking the dog dog <laughs> thoughts dog thoughts are happening yeah. but you don't know that <laughs> it's not real clear at first what's happening but it's very loud very sudden and then that just keeps happening through the whole movie. And I looked it up because I couldn't stand it after the, like, sixth time that happened. And it turns out there's another version. The D if you watch this on DVD, there's there's music. There should be music there. I'm guessing they just did not get the rights to it. And so yeah, they had probably. to remove it entirely from the movie. <laughs> and it is painful. It is so painful. It's all just, it's like, so Beatles clear. music. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually very effective when the soundtrack's... Yeah, it's a totally she's, uh, movie. she's friends with Yoko Ono. She wrote her a letter. Yoko was cool with it, but then the lawyers got involved. Yep, yep. So, yeah, instead of, like, a, a an intro track to start the credits, you just wait in silence until... Patiently. Third-rate nice Seth Rogen comes in with his jokes, oh my and then God. you just get that... I'll also say on the audio, there are several parts. There's probably more that I didn't notice, but there's several parts where the dog is barking. You can tell that the dog is barking. It's supposed <laughs> yes. to be barking within the context of the scene because um, the people just hear the dog as like being a dog and then the dog has thoughts that we hear. But the dog is barking and uh, then there's other times where our main lady is talking and the audio is just absent. Yep. Now, if, if music was playing over top of it, well, you see that in movies sometimes where characters are talking, but we're not supposed to hear them because it's part of a montage or whatever. But since we have no music, we can't tell if it's intentional or not. My gut leans toward it's not anyway. Like, even if there was music, we were supposed to hear something. But yeah, there's parts where you can just he see that, like, the dog's barking or her she's talking to the dog or something. Nothing's coming out of there. And then it'll cut in, like, you know, like, 10 seconds into the scene. Oh, now we get to hear her. And it's yep. like, what? I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> yep. There's terrible ADR. Like the whole time, the ADR is so, so bad. Anytime except that they're for, doing it, it except is for when they're kissing. painfully obvious. Except for when oh, there's God. all the kissing uh, noises. When like they're getting surround hot Surround sound HD. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> and there's, there's several. So bad. Uh, Sound to match the like the animated Titanic kiss visuals. You're like, so you right. Combine the two. <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve particularly enjoyed the the soup slurping sound there. Uh, you know, for the for the kissing, as he noted. Oh yes. Uh, there was oh, also yes. and this happens a couple times. But the first time I noticed there was like a fixing up scene, like like someone's being fixed up. Well, the main girl's being fixed up. Uh, 
and the audio just drops in volume out of nowhere. Yep. It just suddenly goes from like you're hearing like whatever your computer volume's at where it's like, okay, this is loud enough for me to hear what's going on. It like goes to half that volume or lower. And I was yes. like, like it's, it's a noticeable drop. Like yep. when they were working on it in the editor or whatever, they just like fucked it up and nobody caught it. And that happened a couple other times in the movie, I think. But the first mm-hmm. one it hit, I was like, oh, holy shit. I've never seen that before. Well, it has to be that. Like, Even Birdemic didn't do that. Part of it has to be that I don't believe at any point they had anything close to a boom mic. And it was just filmed no. on like the onboard cam- cam- uh, microphone Probably. for like the yeah. 15-year-old digital camera. So there had to have been points where the audio was so bad that it was completely unusable. And they were just like, I don't know, man, just like cut the scene out. <laughs> like it's done. I don't, and we'll just like make it silent. Then more I, I, shots of a dog walking around. <laughs> or so like ducks. the 400 yeah, shots the of ducks. the ducks <laughs> to, to, to signal so, time. Like, oh my God. Yes. I wrote, I wish I'd actually kept count, but I, there was no way I was going to go back. Once I started noticing <laughs> that the ducks kept coming, I was like, I'm surprised that like no, the ducks, so the in. duck footage didn't have like, Pond five like watermarks all over it. <laughs> I'm also uh, suspecting five, that Steven? the, d- what the is ducks it? weren't always a transition. Oh yes, pond five. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Eric? Getty images, like still Getty images <laughs> <Yes>. or something. <laughs> what do you got, Eric? Uh, I was saying, uh, like mentioning how much the ducks pop up, and I'm I'm curious to know if if they always represented a transition back to the park. And no, perhaps some of them might have just been shoved in there for no reason. Yes, I absolutely. There's they were not connected to the park. It was just to like, well, we don't know how to show that we're moving to a different scene. So here's these ducks in the pond. It had to have happened at least six times. I'm confident. Lot. It was it like was a mix so of that many. and like quick, quick shots to action, like cutting like <laughs> very here, like, quick, and then and then just random like Benny Hill speed up sequences. <laughs> yes, and it's also like <laughs> I, I likened it to I likened it to Keystone Cops. <laughs> so there's like a couple sequences, but the first one was the dog is like being chased, and the, these aren't even like long enough to be like, oh, this is supposed to be zany and funny. Like Benny Hill, it's clear what they're trying to accomplish. Like whether you think it's funny or not. They they set the stage yeah. for what this is yes. and and wh- where you're supposed to laugh. This like a, the the dog man uh, in the dog form <laughs> is trying to or he, well he was uh, no he was human he was trying to get away from a lady um, and he was going to be turning into a dog I think and he knew yeah. that so anyway but they just speed oh, up yeah. I'm guessing they're trying to be like oh we need to make this like a chase scene we need to make give it some energy or the lady who's chasing him was like probably real fucking slow the actress so like oh we gotta we gotta make this a little better for a chase scene i don't know but they sped it up but it only gets sped up for like 20 seconds yes and then it's back to normal mm-hmm. speed so it's this bizarre like i said keystone cops or yeah benny hill but it's not really played comedically no it's super strange for all we know the benny hill theme was in that scene and that's why it's not there because they got a copy oh, they yeah. couldn't afford uh, they couldn't afford yakety sacks <laughs> <laughs> right, that is what it's called. <laughs> like, okay, so the audio's bad. I like most... can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, wait, no, you're still on production value. I don't want to skip ahead. There's more, I'm sure I'm, you... I'm fast-forwarding through it. Yeah. Uh, so the audio's bad, and we can't emphasize that enough. It is garbage. It's so bad. Uh, but also, the lighting, mm. they make some really questionable choices with shots. 
and lighting. Like this could such be as having none of it. angles the movie. Yes, yes. There's a scene, <laughs> and I like had to stop and like think about the world when this scene happened. She calls her mom for the first time in this movie. Oh, uh, the mom, mom lighting. Oh, God. oh boy. <laughs> so calls her. <laughs> so sinister. And <laughs> they cut to the shot of the mom, and she's sitting in total darkness in a room in a rocking chair in the center of the room which what is up with this family and putting furniture in the center of it's like a it looks like it's no right reason. in the doorway like she's just yeah. like <laughs> the only reason you know hello mother dear <laughs> the only reason you have any idea that there's a person or a rocking chair in this scene is because there's a room behind her with the door open and that room seems quite well lit they're like that room like, maybe they set up in there, but then somehow lost the rights to that room and had to come into this dark room and couldn't afford any more lighting. I don't know. Pitch black, this woman is talking on the phone, rocking in her rocking chair. And you, you see that, and you're like, oh, maybe they're trying to show that the mom is sinister. And yeah. Like, maybe there's some dark stuff going on. And, like, the nope. mom's a real bitch. Like, don't get me wrong. But it does not fit that mood at all. It's not creepy. Yeah, she just says it's... some real silly shit like everyone else does. <laughs> it's just bonkers. <laughs> I mean, it's it's certainly like all of that is like as if an alien came to Earth, yes! which I think we've made yeah. this joke before. Is like if an yes. alien came to Earth and was like, "I've observed, I've observed human behavior for twenty minutes. Yes. I'll be making a film yes. to take back to Galaxian <laughs> Seven. Humans love their dogs. They love their dogs. Yes, that is what I understand. Love is a thing humans feel for dogs." I wrote, I think... You mate with the dogs, right? (laughs) (laughs) I wrote maybe five to ten minutes into this movie, not knowing how bad it was going to get, but I wrote down, was this movie actually made by human beings? Or was this an AI having seen a bunch of movies and tried to make one on its own? That's what it feels like. It's just... Yeah, uh, AI would have been a little more sophisticated about it. Yeah, I right. AI is more confident, confident. Like, like that Dali generator gets closer to reality than this thing. Does. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the AI would uh, casually put in like an attempted rape 15 minutes into the movie. Either. One of those like chessboard mechanical arms would have made a better movie than that. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about AI. So basically, I am let's, in trouble for saying disparaging things about robots let's, in this. Let's keep let's keep in mind that an AI once beat Gary Kasparov at chess and really pissed him off. So they're like, you know, they're pretty high level. And that was twenty years ago. <laughs> did you see? Did you guys uh, see like some of the background on the director? Um, there was yes. she. I didn't. I actually didn't dig much into that. So what do you got? You I got found there? like a Reddit thread of people who were like talking about the movie and like praising it for like like i said somebody like going out and making their like telling their truth or whatever and um one of the stories about her was that she like she has passed away but like she um shaved her she like shaved her head and posed as a buddhist monk to try and get this movie to premiere at the Cannes film festival like she straight up went there and was like pushing for the movie to have its premiere there which like god i i imagine for it being can though it would have gotten like a 14 minute standing ovation like every movie that premieres at, at can does but can we can we back me. up to why she would think the people at con would god. think a would think a buddhist monk would be pushing for love on a leash to be released like like what's the connection 
Because her instincts for that are the same as filmmaking. So I mean, <laughs> yes, very good. I honestly, it didn't not. it didn't go into any more detail other than just that tidbit, that anecdote about the uh, marketing for this movie. But that was one that that one shook me to my core that I, I had trouble even like focusing be, <laughs> beyond that. So I don't. But, did, did it say how old she was? Like when she died? She was like in her sixties. I think she was in her sixties when oh. she made this. That's yeah. that's what's astounding oh. to me. She had like I, a random I assume, credit in like the early '90s or something, and I was like, "Yeah, oh. see, I, I mean, I would assume, especially based on the age of the characters, I figured this was someone like in their 30s or something." But they'll get old at the end. Remember, such yes. a statement on age and love. Yes, we can get into all that, but no, I. Uh, so yeah, if she's if she's in her 60s making her first movie, that's uh that's kind of impressive and weird in its own right. Uh, it didn't work out, but you know, all right, well, a movie Somebody, got made. They uh, well, we watched it. We saw it. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, some of us twice. Yes. The uh, the thread went into some detail about her. Just I guess for the people that knew her, she she was like this like I mean she was a Chinese immigrant and she was like hugely hugely into movies i don't know how she got the funding for this unless she just like wiped out her like life savings for this but oh, I, I have the details on that yep. oh yep. who give okay. money laundering so uh yes yeah, so there is a i'll come back to this as we as we do the show but there was a review on something called the the tartan.org from I a couple years too. ago and uh, so this was someone who they got information from another source, and I'm not sure what their source was. It might mention it. I was kind of skimming through the, the piece of it. Um, but they got information about the, the guy who voices the dog, who is Stephen Kramer Glickman. So he was interviewed somewhere on a podcast or, you know, an in-person written out interview or something. I don't know. Um, so uh, he said... That in the late 2000s, the writer and director of the film, Fen Tian, had convinced a Chinese church that her movie would be about the spirit of Jesus helping people find love. <laughs> of course, when the church's priest found that it wasn't, they pulled the funding for the movie. So, so she's uh, a swindler, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So initially, anyway, that was how it like started. So maybe <laughs> she got some money out of them and like they started shooting stuff. And then maybe somebody like got a hold of a script or something. And so maybe it bottomed out. I don't know. But that that is like the, the starting <laughs> point anyway, is her going to a church, a Chinese church that's apparently like a Christian church and saying like, oh, it's going to be all about Jesus. And like, no, it's not. But here's the crazy thing. With as many stupid directions as this movie goes in, she could have just thrown in Jesus somewhere, yeah. and then she would have been good. Yep. Right. At the yeah. end, he could have just said, "Actually, I'm <laughs> Jesus," and that's like. <laughs> this was a test. <laughs> uh, can I say my favorite line? I'm back. Which is the next line from that uh, interview that you read. Yeah. Uh, the next line that I love from that same interview is quote. Glickman was literally paid in cantaloupes to voice act the yeah. dog. Yes. What a sentence that the English language hath wrought. Actually, no, no, no. That <laughs> oh sentence is longer because I also have that written out. And what it actually says is Glickman was literally paid in cantaloupes to voice act the dog, comma, <laughs> only to be asked to re-record all his lines later as he was being tapped to play Shrek on Broadway. <laughs> that's a, that's wow. a really important end to that sentence. You're right. You're right. I no. apologize for cutting it off. That is stunning. And explains um, it, 
It also the, the only other thing I because I just I pulled from that same area. It says uh, he also hadn't met anyone else in the cast, and the editor of the movie asked Glickman not to mention his name in the interview. <laughs> well, that actually makes a ton of sense because like the thing that jarred me the most about this over anything else was just like how shockingly terrible a per well when he inhabits the dog how shockingly yes. terrible he is as a yeah. person so it's clear that the person voicing the dog had no goddamn idea what was going on outside of like his lines not a clue because he's an asshole all the way through as the dog Awful. yeah irredeemable terrible yeah as the dog that's a yeah a distinction we'll talk about but yeah as the dog the character who we we haven't mentioned it yet, but so the dog's name is Prince. That's what uh, Lisa calls him when she thinks he's just a normal dog. Um, but at some point, the dog tell, tells us that his name is Alvin Flang. So that must have been his <laughs> his life, his name before he got turned into a dog in this like reincarnated state or whatever. Anyway, but then noted playboy Alan Flang. <laughs> <laughs> so uh they just keep calling him prince throughout the rest of the movie so it's like oh no 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 you're i called you this you're a dog you're a dog man i'm calling you this you have no last name you're just prince but yeah uh i like, saw a couple he, reviewers point out the, why doesn't he tell great, her uh what's that i said when he becomes a human why doesn't he just tell her his name he tells us the audience oh yeah he t- or he's got it in his thoughts because because the movie is real, real the same bad person i don't even know like no i i think i think it is but people have pointed out that like yeah the personality of the dog like when the dog speaks versus when he's human do not match up they're not the same actor it's not the same sound like it's not the same voice you can tell and the dog is just incredibly crass and is like try it's like it's like as bottom of the barrel comedy as possible like when, when you think of a talking dog think of like the kind of shit they'd have a talking dog saying like a kid's movie but then allow like so it's just like really bad stupid comedy but then allow that dog to like swear or say like shitty or risque stuff and you're about in the right place and then when he's a human he's like the perfect man in the world like like he's he's dedicated mm-hmm. to her you know and like the, the way they pr- present him is completely different. So yeah, the, the characterization doesn't make any sense. Especially because it'd be cool as shit to only be a dog during the day and then like become a be person awesome. at night. You would never have to get a job. You would be able to be a sweet-ass dog throughout the day and then like do it, go hang out and do whatever you want at night. I don't know what he's so pissed about. Because I'm pretty sure, too, because I'm pretty sure, too, this chick would have banged him just as a dog. She was messed oh, up. Oh, God. <laughs> That I was mean. okay. All right. On that point. So, yes. Yeah, so On that valid point. So yes. Yeah, she eventually, she finds out. Let me uh, look for it here. Yeah. So, she finds out that uh, the dog that she's befriended and takes into her home, he transforms into a man at night. And she's presented as like, oh, there's no good men in the world. I can't find anyone. And that's like her characterization. Um, and so then this guy, and then then there are, as far as this movie goes, there are no good men in the world. Like it's, we'll (laughs) get into that. Not a single person in this movie is anything even close to kind or helpful. 
every single person mm. in her life oh, yeah. is toxic beyond belief. Oh, oh, agreed. This is yeah. like so then. Uh, yeah, this is very much like a is, like a is... horror movie in the sense that like yes, yes. Sorry, it's like a horror movie that in that like this woman is being like haunted by all sides. Yep. Like yes, everybody in her life is like trying to either control her, destroy her. It's like mental, emotional, and physical just like torture for this woman yep. throughout the entire This movie is like Alex life. Garland's Men, but 10 years before. <laughs> this movie did it first. It's a visionary. Um, but yeah, so uh, so then she eventually finds out that the, the dog uh, transforms into a guy and he's wonderful and they fall in love and so then they spend nights together and they have like love scenes, you know sex what scenes, means. whatever. Um, and, uh, but there is a part where when he's a human, she comes up behind him and playfully puts a collar on his neck yep. with a leash. And my question was, does, does she fuck him when he's a dog too? <laughs> is, is that what happens? Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Well, it's weird oh. because like, then she kind of just treats him like a dog during the day. Like at no, I mean. I think yes, and I think we deserved to get an answer there. But it the the shots during the day definitely seem more like she's just like hanging out, like the actress is just like hanging out with a dog. It's like a weird. Yeah. She like yeah. has this weird ability to dissociate her two worlds, where she's like, I bang this thing well, at night. She's but... not gonna fuck the dog outside, you know. So. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Th- I think caliber? she's capable of it. I like that Steve's taking a different strokes approach to me. Uh, Steve's not going to yuck on anybody's yum here. That's not what he's all about. Listen, the caliber of this actress, though, I mean, of all the people in this movie, I would argue that the woman who played Lisa is probably the best of the actors and actresses. But her caliber, what do you expect her to do? As an actress, do you expect her to, like, look at a real-ass dog and, like, try to speak lovingly to it and, like, yes. try to make out with it and treat it like an adult man, especially in parks where people are watching? Kate Blanchett could. She could do that, Jack. <laughs> she could. And this movie would have been better with her in it. Could you imagine the hell, the hell of filming? Like, let alone, like, filming this movie, everybody involved is like, holy shit. Like... To the point where, I mean, people are begging to, like, not get a credit for it. Like, (laughs) I want this wiped from the earth. But, like, then you throw into the mix a dog where somebody's got to get the right take for a dog to do something. I bet it wasn't, like, a trained dog. No, that was someone's just fucking golden retriever. Yeah. (laughs) It it probably took forever to get it to do anything. Yep. It's like you really start to you really start to reevaluate your life when it's like 4 a.m. and you're in some just like horrifying weird apartment <laughs> filming with like a dog. Yes, on 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 the Jack's point of it being multiple dogs, the note I saw was the dog in the movie was switched out for similar looking dogs several times because of heat waves the crew was experiencing throughout the filming period, and so I I just kind of local centered on heat waves there, and I was like. Were the dogs dropping dead? Yeah, those dogs <laughs> had to get in their new dogs. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, there, oh, there was there's like a mass grave somewhere of like fourteen <laughs> golden retrievers. <laughs> well, they just like it. they just they just like tied a stone to them and, and threw them in that pond. <laughs> now the resurrected, local, become a man. 
the the local shelter is like, I don't know what you're doing with all these dogs, man, but thanks for saving them. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a little bit about the premise in the beginning, uh, which I just I have to talk about it. Uh, when we meet Lisa, so we meet going back even further we meet the dog he's running around the park and we hear his great voiceover stuff and he's in where's the girls where's the girls there's no girls no girls no fun actual line and at one point it shows the dog very happy being pet by several uh people some of them guys and like the dog is having the time of his life but the voiceover says uh hey lay off man i'm not gay because he's being pet yep. by guys well, no, I, oh. he's actually being pet by a guy and his wife and his little kid, so it, like, makes no sense for that line. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, just a family God. petting him. He's like, I'm not gay. I'm like... Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. And, uh... I, uh well, uh, do, you have, do you have more terrible dog dialogue? Because I've got a choice one. I don't want to get into dog dialogue yet. I just want to talk okay. about Lisa, like, the first time you meet Lisa... She yes. is uh, out in, presume, it looks like a different park, but maybe it's supposed to be the same park. She is uh, sunbathing with her friend, whose name we don't get until, I think, 20 minutes later into the movie. And she's in several scenes before we ever hear her name. Anyway, Lisa's wearing a green bathing suit. Friend is wearing a pink bathing suit. And friend is trying to convince Lisa to go bang some dudes in the park. Yes. Mm-hmm. do. Uh, and it's like an actual line. Is she says, Lisa, what are you waiting for? Virginity is so, so yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and this does not stop. It's this weird purity culture thing surrounding her. I think at one point, somebody, it might be the dog, in this exact same scene, like maybe 30 seconds a minute later, says, check out the last virgin in America. Like, okay. She that's what he says. says. To Le- that's what he says about Lisa. I think so, yeah. That's what she says, but yeah, she's like, hey, dog, that's the here's friend the last says it? version of Mary. Oh, yeah. that's right. She's introducing Lisa to the dog. Yeah, and that's the dog's just listening to them, her. and then she notices it. Pa- it's, yeah. And I like that Paula, her friend, at one point Paula's explains, name, yep. Paula, yeah, that she that she has, like, dudes for every mood and occasion. <laughs> yes. When she's like, when yeah. I want to, you know, when I want to go bowling, I call Zachary. Or some, like, weird-ass <laughs> shit. And, like, yes. And then she's like, when yep. I want some good loving... <laughs> And, yes. and, and what's she funny about that, that exactly bowling so... and good loving that's all I need <laughs> but what's so funny to me is that she's a modern woman Eric <laughs> her character is like clearly just oversexed at every turn she's just like you gotta bang as much as yep. you can at every moment yep. and yep. then like when she finds out that Lisa does have a man she gets Flies like off the handle. Sh- yeah she goes fucking she, ballistic she gets on insane. her yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Paula... And she's, she's been yeah, was, why is why is the, the movie does explain it but initially i was like why is paula pissed lisa's with a dude what is her problem yeah, yeah. why is she mad she yeah. should her character should be like oh you go girl like finally yes. get yeah. a dick but she's like yeah. what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> she screams at her, her, her fucking tell me is... Her rationale is that Lisa has been acting like she's a virgin, that she's actually just a hypocrite, and that if this was really her boyfriend, she would have told Paula. Um, and so she's like been keeping stuff from Paula, or she's been lying to her. It just becomes this whole like kind of like down Paula's weird psyche. Like we go down yes. this rabbit hole in like in like five seconds. Yes. We're in a therapy session. Yeah. So fast. She's drowning um, in dick though like, so much. The, the it's normal, so crazy. 
Like it, it's I just know. like normal reaction would have been like you know like oh shit like you're awkward because there's like a literally like a naked dude hiding behind this thing. So one reaction would just be oh this is awkward sorry, and then the other reaction would be like like Eric saying like oh you go or like like that there yeah that's what you're doing you know like she would have been yeah. into it or encouraging her but no she just becomes toxic i already <laughs> talking about how but she becomes toxic in a new way yes yeah she's like oh being a virgin's lame you gotta just get guys who cares they're just objects whatever like that's their whole shtick especially she's like <laughs> especially when she just learned that her friend lisa in the span of like a day went on a date with a guy whose mother was like you're marrying my you're gonna marry my son and get your tubes tied principal skinner we gotta (laughs) gotta, gotta go we gotta go we need to go into the gentleman callers i think we broached that subject so uh we we shall do it now so uh i i will i will put it to, to the table but i'll just say first the uh lisa has what amounts to three i'll say gentleman callers uh, that happened earlier in the film. So we already set her up that, like, there's no good men and that kind of um, But then the movie in the first 20 minutes or so presents Lisa with three very viable options for men. And, uh, and each one of these options is just horrendous in a different way, like cartoonishly horrendous. It's not just like, oh, it doesn't work, we're not compatible. Like, if you're thinking like a romantic comedy you could see things where it's like, oh, people go on a date and it's awkward or weird or they're just not going to get along or, um, you know, there's, there's some kind of problem. You used to date my friend or whatever, like, you know, something like that. But no, each one is like a cartoonishly terrible uh, person. Um, not necessarily like terrible as a person, but terrible in terms of like the construction of a character. They're just a crazy extreme. So who would like to tell us what the three terrible men are? Oh boy, I think... um it all happens at work. Uh, she works at a clothing store. She's like a sales girl. And um, the first suitor, Kyle, the Asian gentleman, uh, I, is like the owner of the store? or Co-worker. co-worker oh, he's a co-worker? Yeah, okay. Because he, he mentions his, his other stores or something. Or, um, yeah, he does act like he's, he says, he acts like he comes from money. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Who knows? But you find out he does. There's him, and then there's her manager, a southern trashy guy, and then there's this uh, other, I can't remember his name, Alex, I don't Kyle? know. No, Kyle's the Asian oh, guy. Oh, you're right, The Sorry. third guy that he Frank. comes into the store mysteriously, Frank, at one point and interacts with her, and then she finds out that that was some sort of weird setup from another character we'll get to, but um, yeah, those are her three options, and uh, I... I should I say what comes of each yeah. of these options? Yeah, yeah, or or you know, maybe yeah. how about each of you tell us about one of them? So I Eric, take your pick. Okay, you get Frank. I'll take yeah. uh, I'll take the manager, the Southern guy, because that <laughs> seems one of my favorites. Okay, All not right. for that reason, but there's just a lot <laughs> in that scene. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Eric, we do have a rule on the show about uh, not saying anything uh, too controversial. Wait, so who do I get? Right, so who would who like, I get the, who would like the to go Asian first? guy? I think you get co-worker? Kyle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So who would like okay. to go first? I feel like. Uh, well, chronologically, I, I it goes. I guess Frank, Kyle, then. I think you should go last, Eric. Yes. Yeah, I agree strongly. I'll go first. 
So you first meet Frank because he is hiding behind some clothes and staring at her. And immediately I'm like, this is a grand start. This is uh, auspicious. So he lies and says he's shopping for his wife and uh, does the weird thing that some men do to poor saleswomen. It's like, uh, she's exactly your size. Can you try on clothes for me? And it's like, great, this is going well. She finds out later he's trying to hit on her. Shocker. She goes on a date with him. The date is to his house where he lives with his mother. Uh, and it is the most bonkers thing. I couldn't stop laughing during this whole scene. Uh, <laughs> so the mom is demanding she's like okay only you put this much on your plate and puts exactly this much on to my plate and she's like hella controlling of her portions eric you nailed it when you said uh mrs skinner like that is the perfect yeah, the, way of I mean, describing this woman yeah i likened him to norman bates myself <laughs> oh that's definitely in there uh but it's so funny it's very comedically done because it's not even it doesn't make sense the thing that she's saying and being controlling over and so uh, after literally everything she says, he goes, yes, mother, yes, mother, yes, mother. At <laughs> least it's just sitting there. And it's shot through a fish tank for some reason, because <laughs> this is an art movie, of course. Never forget. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the lines I wrote down are, uh, Lisa, how much do you weigh? And Lisa said, I don't know. And she goes, what? You don't weigh yourself at least twice daily? Then how would you know how much food to eat? Which doesn't make any sense nope. at all in any way. Again, but we find alien, out... alien conversations. Yes. yes. Uh, we find out that she what does do you do for sustenance? PhD in nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she has a PhD in nutrition and she's a gynecologist. And that makes sense. Yeah. Those two things overlap. So that's totally normal. Um, and it just goes on and on. And the next scene... Uh, is that she basically is like, all right, you're a prospective woman for my son, so we're going to have the talk. And she sits her down in the living room and said, I have a 10-year-old grandson. Uh, and I wrote down a lot of this dialogue cause verbatim. I'm, I'm cause sad we stunning. never get to see this grandson. I know, he sounds great. Yeah. Uh, she says, this child has been I don't raised. know if Child Protective Services would have allowed them <laughs> to be in the film. Uh, so she says... This child has been raised using the latest scientific technology, nutrition, education, and psychology. <laughs> he has an IQ of 170. To which Lisa says, oh, he sounds smart. And she says, of course. <laughs> it's like, okay. She says, and to be certain that he you grows bitch. up to become the president of the United States, <laughs> we must ask a specific question of any prospective stepmother. She cannot have any children of her own. Furthermore, in order for her to not become pregnant, she must agree to have her tubes tied before the marriage. Ta -da! Oh, but not just tubes but, tied. Uh, not just tubes tied, but she's going to do it. She's like, I've done it yeah. many oh, times. Oh, that's right. I'm a gynecologist, <laughs> so I got this. So, okay, I think I missed a little bit of that on the kid, and I focused on the tube tying and the horror of what was being presented by yes. this old lady. Yes. But so is that kid supposed to be her son's child? I think so. Yeah. That was so if, clear. If, if that's if that's yeah, because case, she's a prospective like, stepmother. That's what she's saying. Yes, yeah. So right. if that's the case, then that guy did have some other woman that agreed to this at some point, mm -hmm. and then eventually, like, woke no, had up from, the kid had the baby. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. okay, yeah, you sure. But regardless, the, regardless the she yeah, regardless, she woke up from her her fugue state in this cult and got the fuck out of there at some point. Um, so okay, or died, or mysteriously <laughs> disappeared. Did did her yeah, explanation yeah. say why? The reason she can't have another kid is like so. There's no competition. Essentially, for no competition. Com- like she has to be was... able to focus 100. percent right. So that way, brilliant. It's so that the focus child. can be on the boy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that he can have he he only well, you he can't has the have two presidents at once. Everyone. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. The, if he's going to become president of the United States, <laughs> so incredible. God. All right, so that is oh. that is one of our gentlemen callers going off of our uh, glass menagerie take here. <laughs> um, and uh, Steve, would you like to tell us about the next gentleman caller of Love on a Leash? And this, this is Kyle, right? Because yes. I don't even. Yes. This is the, his name's Kyle. Okay, so he's a coworker of Lisa's at the department store, and he mm-hmm. is very nice to her. Uh, there's like a an exchange where some. Uh, I think some like um, woman shopping is like a real asshole about like uh, some asshole trying on a dress doesn't fit. Uh, Lisa's like, I can't sell you this dress out of my good conscience. (laughs) And the woman throws, she's like manager. And then the Southern guy comes over and he like smooths it over and he's like, I'll sell you anything. And like whisks her away. Um, But Kyle sees all this and he's very nice to her about it. And he's like, I think you something something and then he's like i like your way better uh yeah i like your way better and then he's like again he's kind of peering through the clothes i believe or over the clothes sort of creepily and he's like uh ask lisa what she's doing later or you know and they go on a date he plans a date uh she and she seems kind of actually somewhat interested in him yes she first she like like like, what she's like okay she's flattered you know she tells the dog that it's not like that, I think, at one point on the couch. And, like, the dog yes. says something really stupid and mean as the dog. Um, but then she's, like, show, she's like looking at two pictures being like, which one? And she just decides <laughs> she'll go on dates with both of them. And so she, Kyle, com, Kyle comes over and um, Kyle comes over and, and sort of is – he tells her that he's got something very important to tell her, I believe. Um, and then he just like comes out first, first he just proposes. Um, he just flat out asks her to marry him and she's sort of like, I uh, clearly she's thinking about it. Cause she then says yes to like the dog five minutes later, but she's like taken aback and he, de- but, but then he's like, let me explain. Turns out Kyle is gay and he has a very old school conservative family and he needs to have a wife to like make sure that they don't like shun him from the family basically so it's actually an incredibly sad like character that you get here this like it's a very on chesel beach kind of proposal here. <laughs> yeah it's it's like and, and he's like tries to convince her again it's like i'll buy you the latest luxury items and products furs whatever and diamonds yeah yes whatever your lug yeah furs and diamonds whatever your heart desires she, as all women can, uh, care about she can have yeah. She can sleep with other people. She can have yep. relationships. The yep. only thing he's asking is like for her to marry him and also to produce a child, basically, yes. as like evidence of their relation. A son, yeah. yeah so beyond him. that, and he said like, and they don't have to sleep together. It can all be done, you know, like like through procedures and everything. Um, but uh, but yeah, so 
he he presents a uh, that's the deal, and he's and he's not. I mean, I would say like even though the scenario is very creepy and weird, he's like doing his damnedest to like present it as reasonable as possible. Yeah, like, yep. and he's very yep. he's clearly very desperate. The actor, it's the best prospect by far. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the actor like. I mean, the actor, I think, <laughs> recognizes how desperate and sad this character is. I would say he's the best actor of the people. I, I was going to say that, oh, too. Good well, point. that's good the point. thing. No, right. is, yeah. He actually, it, like I said, it's like he's a sad character that you get this, like, entire arc for in a matter of two, in, like, a monologue. And it's actually, like, yeah. in this in this giant pile of shit that you're sifting through, there's, like, this little grain of... <laughs> Maybe like something Humanity. like a diamond in there, <laughs> yeah, a little little bit in there, and uh, I don't know, it's like, crown, and, yeah. and then that, yeah, but then it's yeah, it's all that's all glossed over by the next guy that shows well, up. So. But here's the, but the insane thing on both these guys is like after we get those dates and those scenes, they're just never spoken up again. Never. Now the first guy, the 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 weirdo principal Skinner, uh, you know Norman Bates guy, like, all right, she didn't know him at all. She was like set up with him, so it can make sense that she never sees him again. But the other guy, she works with, so like he should be around. Did I miss After something? After the next scene, she doesn't. Oh, or okay. Yeah, uh huh. There true. you that's go. True. Yes, you're right. This movie did think of everything, Jack. My <laughs> mistake. Um, Internally still, consistent. But still, as as emotionally devastating as that scene is supposed to be. I mean, yeah. yes, Steve, like they just sweep it right under the rug and it's like, Oh, and that, and that's kind of goes back to what I was talking about at the top of the episode. This movie goes in so many weird directions. where like that right there of like this Asian guy with a conservative family proposing marriage to this woman, like, like very sad, very like sincere, like that's a whole fucking movie in and of itself. That's yes, a plot right. of a, that's a story yes. you can make into a film right. and we get it for like a minute and a half and then it's gone and we're on to, <laughs> we're on to more talking dog shit. Yeah. Like that's what this movie does. Yeah. I think during that, even like during that sequence, the dog is walking around being like, you know, making fart noises and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been funnier if he just made nothing but fart noises the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> All right, last and possibly least is Eric. Eric's so, favorite scene. Yeah, so she's a little shocked that Kyle is gay. Um, and perfect time now for her. So, <laughs> yeah, her manager, there's a scene earlier when he's a little creepy to her because he asked oh, her to put more on than a little. More than a little, more, yeah. Oh, um, you've, got, uh, you've got a spider on your back. Let me just, just like, massage it off of you. Rubs her. And then he's like, I want you to put on this dress so you look nice for the customers. And it's a completely inappropriate dress to as a sales girl. And she's like, okay, I get in. So, yeah, he's clearly creeping on her. Um, but that's like scenes ago. So the last thing you see is that. And then so right after Kyle leaves, she's a little shook. And then in perfect time for her manager to come waltzing in, just came right into her apartment. Didn't knock, just drunk. Just starts saying how much he wants to be with her. Oh, well, my wife isn't attracted to me anymore, and it's dangerous to see hookers. So that's another <laughs> yeah, reason yeah. I'm here. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't turn me on anymore, and it's not safe to see a hooker. Yes. Yeah, so clearly, here I am to rape you, and then that's luckily she's got the dog there. He intervenes by saying, "Hey, she's mine." So maybe he's got, you know. He gets him out and then says, I'll make you a chihuahua or something like that. 
Yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, he like that at the, that's some the guy. weird line. And then he's like, "Now I'm king of the castle." He's saying more stupid shit while she's crying on the couch, and we get like a close-up shot, like tracking, zooming in on her, just like devastated, crying on the couch. And he's singing some stupid impromptu song about being king of the castle. Uh, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> I think I wrote it down. Castle, king of the castle that's also a dog. It's and lives in a, a house dog. that is green. What is that about? What that's is that the about? Song. <laughs> yeah, that's and then right. he says, yeah, like, so, you know, I'm pretty sure all this guy's <laughs> voiceover lines were improv Oh, yeah. most of them. Um, and so, and yeah, nobody, he's still being a no point shit, did anybody be like, like, nobody was like, hey, she just got, like, almost raped, so you gotta act like you care about this woman. No. I Never. think they just told him it was a dog commercial the whole time. That's how he <laughs> plays it. And so, yeah, that's... And then, of course, the topper is, like... As the guy's leaving, he's like, You're fired! And she's like, I quit. Um, and and that's that's the end of that suitor. And I was suspicious that there were other scenes further in the movie where she's at that store again, like she still worked there. She works um, at a different store, but they never discuss it. Okay, because it might have been the same job. store. They just were trying to convince you that it wasn't. But, Correct. Yep. Uh, so, you going to keep going with that scene? More happens in that scene. Are you going to stop there? Uh, you um, coward? I don't, oh, I don't recall, but you can I... fill us in if you want. Oh, my God. She cries and sobs, and she's, sc- she's going, Kyle oh, and Gay. She's saying, Kyle Gay. Kyle Gay. Over <laughs> and over that. again. <laughs> and then she takes a bunch of pills and she ODs. Oh, right. And the dog do doesn't care. And the dog right. doesn't care. Because the dog just leaves. Because it's so easy to forget <laughs> stuff in this movie. Because I, it's well, disjointed. It's, it's everything is so disjointed. Yes. And I mean, I mean, like, that you get that really early on. And I'll just give an example. So, like, we've already talked about that the dog, you know, is like a a human soul trapped inside or whatever and it learns that it has to find true love so it eventually finds this girl and he's like oh well this is the one i want this is the one that'll be perfect and they're in the park and then there's just this abrupt cut yep. and then the dog's like in front of a gas station and yes. he's filthy and then he's in front of her car so like the the logic you as a viewer have to follow is like oh so he like has been following her and he like got to this gas station and got dirty so she could like clean him off. But there's not, there's no fade out. There's no implication. There's no dialogue of like the woman saying like, well, got to leave the park now. There's nothing for the audience <laughs> to follow along no, in any way. We just are suddenly in a different scene with the same characters. Just, just like just jam cut just suddenly in this thing. And then like just a sudden now the dog's part of her life and is brought into the home. So there's no buildup to like, oh, I gotta befriend her and over time we're gonna become, it's just like, nope, this dog's dirty. Better clean him up in my tub. I guess you're my dog now. No, so not like, even. Well, no, that's, no. She, that's at first she cleans it and then she just sends it on its way. She's like, like goodbye, well, sends the but, dog outside. But I, mean, but, but I mean, even that though, like most people would not jump to like, I'm gonna bring this filthy fucking dog into my house. Like there's no in build up. In a movie up they yet. would. Dude, I, I don't know. It seems like you're defending this film, and I don't appreciate it in more way. But anyway, okay, fair. But no, the dog's my, plan my, is my not point, sure. Fire, all my point sure. is, all my point is, is that there are just these scenes where it's like stuff will happen, and you're kind of like you're as invested as possible. You're not into it, <laughs> but you're 
you're as invested as much as you are in any story where you're just like, okay, I'm trying to like sort out what's the deal with this girl? What's she trying to do? In the way that you try to follow even a bad story, you're just trying to be like, okay, well, where's this headed? But then it'll just like, it'll just be this smash cut to something else. And that's what I feel like when, when you were saying like that we aren't remembering certain things, this movie is like very amnesiatic because like, because shit just like happens. Like that scene with Kyle is a perfect example. Like I could see somebody watching this totally forgetting about that scene with Kyle because it directly precedes the rape scene in it. The rape scene just mm-hmm. runs right into Attempted. it. And then you would be, Attempted. well, yeah, yeah. But then you'd be horrified by that. And then you have to go back and be like, oh, wait. Yeah. And then there was that gay guy who tried to marry her. That was like, what, two seconds before? <laughs> well, also, where is well, Kyle during this? Like Kyle, Kyle's just like, did he, did he pass the other guy? And he's like, oh, going in, uh, going into a going slaughter. In. All right. Great timing. I, well, I, I mean, and we just forgot that she took a giant pot- bottle of pills and goes to the hospital, but comes yeah. back the next day and is like, I'm all better now. Yes, yes, that happens. And it's just, she comes home in the rain, barefoot, wearing the same clothes she was wearing when she went to <laughs> the hospital. They send her on her way. And You're I can't fine. get over that you moment. Your stomach. I can't handle it. The hospital was like, this the hospital is shitty to her. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to defend the movie on this point because this is America, Jack. That's and, true. Uh, you're on your own. Thanks, Biden. <laughs> Okay, great. Bringing that. Uh, also, quick note: two <laughs> dog is a uh, just little asshole lines. When she OD'd, he says she OD'd. I'm screwed. Not worried about her at all. Worried yeah. about himself. And also, Gotta find another woman if this one dies on me. Yeah, he says she'd better get well, <laughs> or else I have to start all over again. And it's, I just so. When, when have you been watching a movie and you're like, wow, I hate this dog. That never happens. <laughs> I want this dog to die. Cujo. Do- <laughs> Even then, that dog's better than this dog. Cujo dog didn't mean sense. to be bad. Yeah, uh, it's just drawn that way. Uh, but, oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, okay, so since we're on that note, let's talk about the dog dialogue. Um, there are some choice moments. I've got a couple locked and loaded, but uh, anything we want to put out there on the dog dialogue... Uh, I will say that keep in mind that this dog is, he knows he has to find true love to break the curse. He apparently is very dedicated to that and he hates being a dog. And yet, even so, he just, when he's not in his human form, as we addressed, he just seemingly like thinks nothing of this woman. Like, like he, he cares about her in theory uh, and he, he cares about her as a human, but when he's a dog, he's just like, ah, fuck her. Like yeah. That's that's kind of the level of it, which yep. doesn't make any sense, but there's nope. a few choice lines, And but I'm just curious, any dialogue we have for the dog that we want to put out? I mean, there's so many. So it's like almost like there's too many to choose from. So the one I'll that poop I'm... in his shoes. <laughs> the one... <laughs> I have to be anything I can to get back in her heart-shaped box. Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, there is the there is the Nirvana song "Heart-Shaped Box," but I assumed that that was vaginal. Was what I like? Was that's why something. Yeah, maybe like because what his character is so far. Maybe it's yeah, but it still is. Uh. How about when uh, at one point she's getting changed, she's getting dressed, and. Uh, 
she notices the dog staring at her and she says, what are you staring at? And the dog says, not much. Not much. Yep. Good one. <laughs> Good one, dog. My, the love of my life. <laughs> well, the one that the, the one that really like sticks with me the most is at the end. It's like, so he clearly as a human has fallen in love with her. Um, he's been on this yeah. journey with her for an hour and change. You think that like, he's, you know, the, the pond keeps telling him like, Hey, you dumb shit. Like you have, if you want to be a human forever, you need to like actually be in love with this person. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, goes the off pond kind of switches but, the rules. Thank a lot, you. Though. The <laughs> pond is constantly changing the rules constantly. Like, just but, it, moving but it's the also pretty post. simple. It's a little simple in that it's like you need to actually like not be an asshole like you are to me right now. Yeah. Like it doesn't like, say that, but yes, we in, as the audience sense. know that. But you you would think like throughout this movie there'd be like some arc for this character of like I love this woman like I, you know. So <clears throat> there's a scene at the end where she can uh, and here's a rule that just comes in at like the climax where it's like well actually if it's cloudy outside you yeah, don't, you don't yeah. turn. Yeah. They they really just wedge <laughs> that in there. <laughs> like somehow she suddenly knows the rules of the dog world. A lot of people uh, seem to know some of the rules. Suddenly, yeah. To this gypsy curse that this, <laughs> the douchey man was given. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, so she's like, "Hey, it's gonna it's gonna be super cloudy tomorrow. Like you won't turn into a dog during the day." And, he's, and they still they still have an out. It's it's super cloudy. Like rain is gonna happen at any moment, and they still have like an outdoor patio get together. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> With this is the business. And who told owner. you that? Did the pond tell you that? Are you talking <laughs> to the pond too? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. What's her connection to all this? Yeah. <laughs> Is she under some curse that we don't know about that we find out at like our the curse you know, to be surrounded 90? by shit people? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Steve, do you do you have the exact dialogue on this? Because I've got the old yes. dog's uh, stretch. Um, yes, I do. Um, so so long story short, he turned. They're at the business owner's house where he hates his kids, and he's afraid <laughs> though that he's going to turn into a dog. Um, he's very nervous about it because he's like talking with this family and this is like a big moment for her because she's going to get a promotion. But he turns into a dog in front of one of the kids by the swimming pool and the kid like freaks the fuck out and is like, dad, he turned into a dog. And out of nowhere, Lisa just screams and runs into the pool, like sprints into the pool. Not trips, not falls. (laughs) No, just runs. Doesn't even jump. Doesn't jump, just like, as if the ground she's running and the ground just goes away underneath her. Yep. And yes. And at mo- at this moment you're like, "Oh, this is the moment where the dog right? learns that this is like her tr- his true love and he saves her life because she can't yeah. swim." But no. He just calls first he calls her an idiot because she can't swim. And he's like, "Fine, you might have the exact line Linton, but he goes, "Oh, yeah. fine. I got to save you, you pizza face cinder block." And it's like shocking. It's so utterly shocking. His reaction. So yes, the the dialogue is so she's like potentially drowning or whatever. As Steve said, we are late in the game on this movie. They have slept together multiple times. It's real nebulous of whether they actually are married because there's this whole subplot about like that they can't go get a marriage license because he's a dog during the day and shit. But at one point I'm convinced I'm convinced that they do say that they are married 
Yeah. And like that, then that confused it. I was like, did that happen off screen? And I, or did I miss a scene, which is entirely fucking possible in this movie. So I was confused as to whether they actually ever got married. They get married at the end, but I was confused of whether or not they ever actually got married or the movie's just confusing it or whatever. But anyway, regardless, they're at the very least engaged through long stretches of the movie. Dog says, you made me lose face in front of everyone. And now you want me to save you. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. All right, grab on, you pizza face cinder block. Unbelievable. (laughs) I'm writing this into my vows. (laughs) Grab on, Jack marries a dog. (laughs) I'll be doing a different voice actor. Was just probably given, was he even given these scenes to look at and make dialogue? Could not be possible. Just, I don't know. Can't be. Like, the guy doing it had to just be like, uh. I mean, this is must be a shitload of cantaloupe I'm getting. But <laughs> here's the most egregious one I felt. That Why am I saying the N word so much? <laughs> especially as far as the plot goes and, and everything as as we address. But the one that I thought was really bad uh, to quote Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Uh, I think it's Part Three. Uh, you're not far off, Doc. Uh, to you, Stephen. Um, so there's a point earlier when she's trying to decide between two of the suitors, our principal Skinner and our beard, the guy who uh, oh. has a beard, and she has two pictures of them, which I don't know why she just has random printed out pictures nope, of these no. men yep. in, in 2011. They probably gave them to her because all the men yeah. are weird to her. So anyway, she has <laughs> two right. pictures and she's trying to decide between them and the dog takes both pictures in his mouth and he says, one of these tastes japanese and I was like, well, that's some good old-fashioned family racism there. Oh, God. Oh God, dude. Oh, my God. But here's the thing. Like, for that actor, like, that's that's amazing that that actor wasn't like, no, nah, I'm not saying that. Right. <laughs> like, 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 you would, because there's no context where that's going to work. Like, Never. I mean, even even if you think, like, oh, the, the guy as a dog is supposed to be a jerk, like, you have to look at that and say, in 2011, you know, like, like I mean, we're not, this is not uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's 1961 here. Like, in 2011, you, there's no way you can look at that and be like, this is a good idea. Nope. So, right. it's like, we gotta change this line. He was earning that cantaloupe. <laughs> and that's what this performance was worth. One cantaloupe. That's that dude's week. That was, was that dude's week. I like that you're pro- pronouncing it like, like Mo Sislak. Like, I never tried cantaloupe. <laughs> Maybe. Honey, the money melon. <laughs> yes. The money melon. Uh, maybe Our he was... Simpsons streak continues. Yay! <laughs> you love it. I do. Of course I do. Uh, he could have been eating one of the cantaloupe, and maybe there's a Japanese-style cantaloupe, and he was just saying that, and they're like, that's great, we'll put it in the movie. <laughs> or maybe he's a terrible person. It could go either way. I, I would believe it either one of those. All right, so we have covered the horrendous production value uh, of this movie. We have covered the acting. We've covered a lot of the crazy twists and turns. We've covered a lot of the dialogue. So I think at this point what would make sense to me is uh, any other crazy twists and turns, scenes, or anything else we want to address. We have not talked much about the mother, so I think that's something to talk about. Um, But, you know, we should probably, like, start gearing toward, you know, kind of wrapping up uh, some of the discussion on this. So whatever else we want to put out there, uh, doesn't have to be extensive discussions on all of it, but uh, yeah, just some like key things we want to put out there. I have a, a one quick bit that I enjoyed 
and then another like scene that I thought was really funny. Um, in in the in the pool scene when the before he turns into a dog in front of everyone, and I guess she's invited to like the the house of this store owner, you know, for like a little backyard dinner, and then he's talking about like, yo, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for managers to take over because I've I've had so much success in the in this business that we now have over five stores. Yes. I'm like, so six or seven? Like, what's that? Uh, so I enjoyed that quite a bit because totally. who the fuck would ever say something like that? That um, same scene, uh, the manager guy is uh, talking, just making conversation. He says, Lisa, I didn't know your husband was so handsome. And his wife chimes in and said, yes, he is handsome and well-mannered. He must come from an educated family. <laughs> that's the that's the part where they say husband, and I was like, "Oh, they got yeah. married then." I guess they t- refer to each other as husband and wife multiple yeah. times. They had like a marriage under the moon, you know. It's uh, uh, viable in the eyes of God, and that's all that matters to them. Viable in the eyes of dog <laughs> and water pond, so and water pond, yes. <laughs> But it's like, are these two people swingers trying to recruit them? It's extremely weird. They're both like, your husband is a real looker. Mm. How about do you want this promotion? It's so weird. It's bizarre. Um, uh, the mother? Yes. A thousand times yes. What do we have on the mother? Her mother's friend? Rita! Yeah. Personal the assistant? Gatekeeper. I don't know who that woman is. The gatekeeper. She's like... She yeah, she was like the mother's friend, neighbor, lives in the area. Because, like, the mother lives somewhere else because she had to fly in. Because of the small. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. And uh, th- uh, they try to set her up at, like, a, they pay, like, three dudes at this Mexican <laughs> restaurant to dance with her, uh, Lisa to try and fix her up. I wrote in my There's notes that their plan was awful. <laughs> <laughs> just pay one well, then, guy you don't need three and then and then you got another scene where just men are tearing her apart for no yeah, reason it's just so weird <laughs> but like the mom is uh like any like you know in a lot of these types of movies she's like utterly obsessed with like her daughter finding love but then it gets really crazy when like when there's a fight with like they all show up at the courthouse thinking that they're going to get this marriage license and then when he doesn't show up because he's a dog they they're like ah he's not shit and so then they like then all of a sudden the mother's got like a cane and yep. like is limping around <laughs> as if like she fucking she got hit by a car during <laughs> filming and just kept going <laughs> and then but then the weirdest part is like at the towards the end of the movie and again there's so much going on I forgot a lot about this but Lisa has this big falling out with Rita about like what's going on, like uh, about like her trying to force her to do stuff with guys because she's with the dog man. And like, she has this falling out and she's like, I can't remember what she says. Like, I don't want to see you again or I hate you or something. And Rita goes, you'll never see your mother again. And it's just like, Whoa, like yeah, why? Why are you so weird? <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. So the, the, the two big things of the mom for me is one near the very end, uh, basically, the dog yes. uh, spoiler gets gets hit by a car when he's like running back to get to his true love, and gets hit by a car and dies. And there's actually more past that. 
which we can get to. But um, but then there's uh, this weird part that comes up and it says years later. And I was like, I was very excited. I was like, oh, yeah. where are we going now? And so we get we get some stuff. Um, we get some stuff in the future for these characters. Um, but one of the things is Lisa indeterminate amount of time, maybe 10 years later, five years later, we don't know. But uh, we just get this random scene where it's like, oh, well, Lisa's here. Let's let's check in on her mom on her deathbed. <laughs> like the That's mom is just clearly... Later. Okay, okay. But the mom is... But there's definitely been a passage of time. Sure. And yeah. the mom is clearly dying. Because they showed the ducks. They showed the ducks again. That's yeah. how you know yeah. that there was a passage and of time. <laughs> it was just such an awkward thing. Like Eric said, you know, like suddenly, or somebody said suddenly she had a cane. And I, I think it's just kind of like one of those things in like, even like biopics where like, you know, we've been following a character the whole time and then suddenly they're like, <coughs> they yes. cough and now yes. we're transitioning into, <laughs> oh, well, they're ill. So this is the end. This is when Ben Franklin <laughs> dies, everyone. This is the Oscar clip coming up. You yeah. know? Um, but so it's kind of like that, just incredibly ineptly done. Um, it was just so bizarre of like the mom being ill or being sickly was never like a major proponent, but just suddenly it's like, Oh, she's on her deathbed, but that has no bearing on anything. It's just, oh, we're going to check in with her mom on her deathbed, and Lisa will talk to her for a bit, and then presumably mom dies off screen shortly thereafter. Moving on. Can so I, that's one thing. I just well, really want to talk. Yeah, the only other thing I have on the mom is just how they present her, uh, which is, I mean, you can come back and with your thing on the mom, but just is that the mom, I swear to God, she went to the same acting coach as the mom from the room. Yes. She like delivers her lines in like nearly identical ways to that blonde lady in the room who's trying to get uh, wh- whoever the girl is to like, like you need to be sexy for Johnny or whatever the fuck she tells her. This mom like plays <laughs> yeah. it the same way, yeah. like oh, yeah. where it's like a very similar kind of loopy and sassy thing. So I don't know, they're sisters or something. Uh, Jack, what do you got? Well, I I wanted to go over the specific dialogue in that scene, the deathbed scene with the mom, because it is so bizarre. So the whole time, Rita and the mom are insanely pressuring Lisa to date men, to date multiple men. Like, it's so toxic Bang everything you see. Yes, exactly. And they're, like, pushing and pushing. They're like, date a bunch of men. You have to date multiple men or else it's weird. And it is gross and strange. Uh, but at the end, after Prince dies, uh, she's with Rita and her mom, uh, and Rita says, forget him. Oh, yeah, Rita has this weird accent for no reason. And so Rita says, forget him, marry someone else. And the mom says, please, Lisa, swear to God that you will. At the actual line. Then Rita says, Lisa, say it. Say it for your mother. Like, they're trying to force her on this woman's deathbed to say that she'll marry someone else, which is just so weird. And Lisa's like, no, I won't lie. And she won't do it. And then her mother, like, turns away from her, disgusted, and, like, won't look at her anymore. It kind of almost looked like she died in that scene. Like, in that moment, she was just like, ugh. Like, just died poorly. Which may have happened. I don't know. This movie has the emotional understanding of a thumbnail. So, could have been the case. There's a scene with the mom towards the end where she's saying, um... Oh, you know, you you never had a father growing up. There was all these men on him. And that's why you you can't trust men. It's like, no, that's not why. Yeah, it's I was, because I for was some banging reason, everything. And... 
All the men are just shitty to me. I don't know why, Mom. It's not because I didn't have a father. It's just every man I am in contact with is just awful. Yeah. It's almost like I'm trapped in a poorly written film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that line on my mom next time. <laughs> She's trying to force me to date six men at a time. <laughs> What can you guys explain to me? So, because uh, I think by this time I was like having like a maybe I was like a you know drugged out like sort of reaction to this <laughs> after an hour of and you. a half. Yeah, where I was, I just didn't know what reality was anymore. But like, uh, so towards the end of the movie, she's selling. So the years later, she's she's moving out of her apartment. <laughs> yeah. There's a for rent sign. Paula shows up. Yes, and is like, I saw the ad her in the sa- paper. Sassy friend. Yep. Sassy friend Paula shows up. I saw the ad in the paper. I can't believe you're still here. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you like? They why did you come here? Yeah. Years. Where have you been? Like, what do you fucking care? <laughs> what I'm at this apartment or not? So that was weird. But then our, you know, our guy shows up. Uh, Prince shows back up and he's got like this weird kind of like spiky hair, like a completely different haircut. Because and Lisa and Paula are, they have gray in their hair, and they're supposed to be aged ladies now. But yeah. all they did was put, like, sprayed some gray in their yeah. hair, and they're like, just we did a little it. bit. So no, that's like twenty-five-year-old actresses, <laughs> yes. yeah, and they, they have they have spray in hair like they're in like a yeah. comedy sh- skit in college. Yep, yep. again, that's my question. Defiantly <laughs> incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> So what happens then is when he when he goes back when he goes to the apartment and he's like Lisa it's me Prince and they have sort of their like reconnection suddenly he, <laughs> like through magic like the like his hair turns gray he's old yes. now. what what is yeah. that what what I don't understand that what what the fuck happened there okay. ask the water pond I don't know <laughs> the water pond hashtag water pond <laughs> just, make t shirts that just say don't blame me blame the blame the water pond yeah. that'll be uncanny from the, cinemas from the 2011 film Love on a Leash <laughs> all, yeah. all in the same size font all yeah. that long yes perfect. So I don't understand that, but then I also I love that you finally get a glimpse of him as an asshole as a person when he's like when she's like where have you been all these years and he's like well I started a dog training business naturally it was very successful yeah. <laughs> that was an amazing line <laughs> I wrote down bitch. why are you just coming back now I would have been great if you could have come back while you were building your business and I would have been could've, fine with could've, that could have so like. So there's two things related to this, um, and both of them were parts that I laughed out loud. What, what did you refer to it as, Eric? Because uh, this is going to be go in the description for this episode. What did you Defiantly say? incompetent. Defiantly incompetent. So I was laughing quite hard at these two moments. So earlier in the movie, the dog, before he dies in dog form, when he's in human form, tells her they're trying to figure out what to do because he can't he, he can't transform he, it's not working and he does love her but it's not working and whatever even though when he's a dog he treats her like absolute shit yep. um so who knows but um but yeah so he says uh that there is a way out of this and he says lisa i must die first yes. but then i can be reborn and i started laughing because yep. oh. like not only is it just a yes. crazy new rule that's being inserted i mean there was already the like um reincarnation thing but still it was this kind of crazy new rule but also 
I was hoping that this was like going to go into some kind of crazy cult territory or like, <laughs> like I must die first. This is what you yeah. do. You <laughs> take the dagger me. and you slit my throat. But oh, we my must God, die together. <laughs> yeah. So I love that moment. And then near the end, the part that made me just really laugh out loud is so uh, her friend shows up. They're both quote unquote old ladies. Her friend has all these grandchildren with her, and it's just like, oh, yes, I found a man, and then we had many grandchildren. <laughs> like that, that's yep. the level of yep. acting that's going on here. And so they're both talking, and basically we find out that Lisa's been, its I think it's implied, or she says, basically she's stayed at the same apartment because she's been waiting for Prince. Because, you know, he will come back to her. They loved each other, and so since he died in his dog form, He's going to come back and he's going to be a human and then everything's going to be fine. And so she's been waiting for him. So he knows where to come. And she's like, uh, you know, and, and when he comes back, we'll, we'll be together. And it's, there's something about like being the same age or, you know, like something. And then uh, Paula points out, like, well, no, if he comes back, he's going to start from scratch. He's going to basically it's like he's going to be a baby. So. He's not going to be the same age. He's going to be young and you're an old lady is basically what's being told. Yep. And then you have this woman, Lisa, who has like lived this sheltered life in this shitty one bedroom apartment for like 30 years waiting for this dog man. And it suddenly <laughs> dawns on her. She, it never occurred to her to like do the math of like, oh, no. She's like, what? I never thought of that. And it's like, yeah, you've wasted your life waiting <laughs> yep. for this dog man who probably will never show up. And you relatable, like, right, ladies? You've done. <laughs> uh, uh, but she says, yeah, I never thought about it that way. And I was just laughing and oh, laughing yeah. at that moment. That scene was incredible. And Paula came out. I with wish it would have knowledge... just ended there. Yeah, right, I never I know. thought of that credits. <laughs> that would have been incredible. World <laughs> bleak <laughs> Huh. Oh shit. Uh has all right, has anyone ever watched uh Mr. Show? Yeah. Uh so there's an one of my favorite Mr. Show bits ever is uh where David Cross and uh Bill Odenkirk or Bob Odenkirk, Bill Odenkirk's both. Bob Odenkirk are like in a bar and they get into a bar fight and they're yelling at each other and they're like, oh, you want to take this outside, man? Yeah, I'll take this outside. They're just like presenting these like toxic assholes and they just keep yelling at each other. And then the bit is that they took it outside, but then they like keep taking it somewhere else and they just begin to live together. <laughs> they like right. become yes. roommates right. and they're like going shopping together and they're like, like doing the crossword together. So it's like implies that they're like, they're not supposed to be gay, but it basically implies that they like become like, they're like in a relationship of some weird kind, but they're just still constantly battling each other for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and like, then one of them has a heart attack, like at the breakfast table. I think it's uh David Cross has a heart attack. And he's like, so then Bob Odenkirk is like concerned. He's like, well, no, I, I didn't mean it, man. You know, it, it's, it's okay. And then, like, when he, like, looks down and realizes he's dead. And then, so, like, through this, we've seen different stages of their life that keep putting on different makeup. And then he says, my life. <laughs> like, like, he just looks, <laughs> he looks at himself that, like, the last 40 years are just gone. <laughs> it's just such an amazing skit. And that's basically what the end of this yep. movie was with Lisa. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Except then oh, the dog man. man comes back and they get married in the backyard, both old, and then magic turns them young again. Yes, yes. 
so it is a happy ending. The power see. of dog magic. <laughs> yeah. Yay. I, I'm realizing we forgot about the, the entirety of the the dog talent agent subplot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Again, we, we, can, we can forget about we that. We haven't touched on, like, so many different things that we just can't. We don't have time. <laughs> don't have time. Um, one more line that the dog said that I wrote down that I liked. Um, I, she says something about feeling love, and he says, I'll feel love in bed. That's, he's talking <laughs> the water pond. The water pond's like, is you that, need okay, to feel so love. Okay, so I have a water pond. Okay. <laughs> and then that's what he says. I'll feel love in bed, and then runs off. <laughs> so All right. stupid. A couple other notes, background notes here uh, we're throwing out before we wrap up. Uh, so this is from that uh, review that I mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, just a couple other key things that I thought were fun. About the green. So, yeah. So, uh, so this I'm just quoting straight from it. Lisa, who by the way is always wearing green clothing, uh, she lives in a greenhouse, has a green car, and everything she owns is green. But uh, this is me interjecting here. The dog actually points that out at some point. Like, why is everything green? And there's a couple like quote unquote jokes about it. But so uh, Glickman had asked the director about this, and her response to him was something about the color green representing horniness in China. <laughs> I tried to look this up after, and the only things I found were some pretty not-safe-for-work results. <laughs> so that was from this uh, reviewer. And then she also wrote, um, it also doesn't help that they're all reading dialogue that sounds like it was Google translated from a different language, which, according to Glickman, was how the script was actually written. So uh, so there we go for yes, that. There we go. Hell yeah. And then... The last bits I have to add is, uh, so I was on Letterboxd. Like I said, there's not a Wikipedia page for this. Um, and so I couldn't find information there. I went on IMDb. There was a little bit in trivia. Uh, I found these couple reviews. I'm glad Steve came in um, with some information on the director and stuff. But I did pick around Letterboxd just to see if there was anything fun. And I found two reviews that I quite enjoyed. And they are as follows. One is, and these are like highly rated reviews for it, like so it pops up at the top of Letterboxd, so like a bunch of people have liked it, so that's why I saw it. If you tried to make the worst movie humanly possible, and in the midst of that endeavor, a dog somehow ate your camera and all of your memory cards, and you had to cut <laughs> something together out of the scraps of surviving footage at the last minute to present something at your contractually mandated premiere, you couldn't make something this awful. It makes Birdemic <laughs> look like the birds. It makes Ed Wood look like Edward Alpey. It makes Tommy Wiseau look like Thomas Pinchon. Truly a new low in the world of movies. And then the other one that I greatly enjoyed was a five-star review that someone gave that says, I don't fear death. <laughs> and there was also i didn't jot this one down but there was another really good one that somebody gave a five-star review to and i think the comment was something like five one stars <laughs> that's so good it's so good i i think there was something well, I, the ratings I on letterbox are only YouTube half comment. stars or five stars yeah that um Someone said it was like this flower shop scene from the room, but for an hour and a half. Yes! <laughs> Ooh, that's true. All right. So uh, I think uh, I think now is the time to wrap up. We're an hour 45 minutes talking in on this talking dog movie. Um, so we probably should uh, keep this under two hours because, uh, you know, it doesn't deserve the midsummer treatment. I'll say that. <laughs> Uh, so let's wrap this up, uh, try to be quickly here, because we've all gotten our feelings out. 
quite a bit uh, through the course of this episode, but uh, would you recommend Love on a Leash? God, no. No. I, I in, in good conscience, no. If I want to ever see heaven, if I ever want to see an eternal, an eternal uh, paradise, I don't think I could. Linton, you're going to have to grapple with this the rest of your life and i don't want that on, on <laughs> that's the <laughs> the ring ends so. here for you <laughs> this ends now <laughs> but it is available on youtube jack uh okay i'll be honest i am already planning how i'm gonna make a couple people watch this. <laughs> so uh izzy if you're listening this movie's coming for you uh i am dying to watch this with people i think linton in the birdemic episode i think you really nailed it on the head i was thinking about this the whole time movies like this are so much better if you're watching them with other people because if you're watching it alone you just feel like you're spiraling into insanity and you're just angry and there's no outlet you can't do anything about it but when you're with another person you can look over at them and you can see the same fear in their eyes, the same like dawning comprehension of madness. And it's like, ah, oh, good. I'm not alone. It changes it a lot. So, um, is that like what people were, is that like when people were storming, like they were on the boats bombing, together, storming yeah. the beach of Omaha. Absolutely. This and is looking the same at, and looking thing. at each other and yeah. seeing it in their eyes. That was Absolutely. the same kind of feeling. Burn this, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Recommend is a strong word. No, I don't recommend this movie. Would you it's... force this upon your friends unwittingly? God, yes. Absolutely, I would. Yes. Ones who already love bad movies and who appreciate stuff like that, who can... Like, uh, honestly, I probably wouldn't do that for the Star Wars Christmas special, because that was boring. This is so insane. It's also charmless. Like, Birdemic and The Room uh, and, honestly, A Talking Cat have this kind of weird charm to them, at least Birdemic and a talking cat, where they're trying to say something, or at least they're trying to, like, a talking cat is positive. Like, they're trying to be like, life's changed for the better. And Birdemic is like, there's a message about climate change here. And this movie's just like, people suck, including dogs. Like this. I thought this much... movie was like, you can fuck a dog. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, how did I miss that? Yeah, this that? message is so the message obvious. of this movie is definitely like it's fuck everything you see. <laughs> That's <laughs> or don't do that. I, like because if the main character doesn't, and that's good. I I don't know. It's just all over the place, and definitely yeah. I'm gonna uh, enforce this on some people. One one quick note that it's you late. made me think of. Uh, you said that uh, you know like the the watching as a group that I mentioned on a birdemic. Um. But also, I think you you hit something really uh, strong there, too, where you said that watching these kind of movies by yourself, this or Birdemic or whatever, that you don't have an outlet. Yeah. That it's just called all kind of within you. But I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but I think you're kind of hitting on why these episodes work so well. We are (laughs) all desperate for that outlet. (laughs) We just we we now have to commiserate about it. If we all like watch this separately, but like with groups of friends. Yes. I doubt these episodes would play as well. Like they would probably probably still be fun. But I think when you go into this and everybody's in pain and it's just like (laughs) I have to get this out. Um, But but I I do have I do get that feeling. I do get that feeling of like I'm gonna let Linton fucking have it. 
when I when I see him <laughs> next. Like, every, yeah. when, when you make me watch yep. these. That's what we want. That's what, that makes for good radio, Steve. <laughs> Howard Stern gets that. I thrive um, on your hate. Um, but yeah, like, as a case in point on this, uh, Jack, because uh, I sent you a picture over the weekend. I was with uh, my friends Devin and Emily, who've both been on the show, and I sat them down to watch... <laughs> Uh, Dial Code Santa Claus because uh, they both like bad movies and I will actually say Dial Code Santa Claus I don't think is like a bad movie I think it's just a very bizarre out there hey. eh, whatever but I think it's a bizarre crazy movie um, but it was it was the first time I'd watched it with anyone uh-huh. and it was so fun knowing what was coming yes. and then seeing their reactions and I was like oh yes yep. so uh, so yeah so I you yeah, enjoy your endeavor of inflicting this upon your uh, your friends. Uh, You're gonna get Eric. angry text messages from Izzy cursing <laughs> you to the day you die. <laughs> oh, I get those already. Uh, okay, Eric, would you recommend Love on a Leash? Yeah, only if you know you are looking for something that's in the stratosphere of the room, birdemic, those kinds of things. This movie definitely belongs in that category. Um, I. I remember when I watched it the first time months ago <laughs> and there was someone, a new coworker at work mentioned that they like, like bad movies. Like, I think they like ran like a bad movie club and I was like, Oh, I'll talk to him about that. And I thought, Oh, have you ever seen love on a leash? Cause I knew it wasn't like a, as well known. It's not like the room. And she was like, no. And I was about to like tell her what it was about. And I realized I couldn't remember a fucking thing that happened. <laughs> and I watched it like three days before, and that's how crazily disjointed the movie is. Like you yep. can't, you can't tether yourself to anything to like put pieces together and like, recount the plot. I could only recall like the opening scene where the dog's talking, and then that was it. And I was like, um, but yeah, recommend it if if you like really, really, really bad movies. But yeah, don't don't watch it alone. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, it's basically the same kind of thing. This is not a boring bad movie. We've talked about that distinction on the show before of like some bad movies are just, you're boring, you're not engaged. This isn't good. It's painful. Yeah. Uh, you want to like bash your head against the wall at times, but then there are parts, like I said, that like I was just genuinely laughing out loud. Other people were saying they laughed at parts. And then there's parts that just like, even if it's painful, you're just like marveling. You're just like, I think, Eric, you've said on a previous episode that you like movies that, like, befuddle you. Yeah. Where you just, like, you just can't see it coming. Where you're just like, why is that a decision? Why would they do that? What 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 was going through their mind? Because you get, you know, if you're a big movie fan, you get used to, oh, here are the beats of a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Here are the beats of a buddy comedy. Like, And you like it when movies push against that or do something novel or whatever or just do those beats but do them really, you know, just better. That's great, but uh, that can also get kind of like humdrum and, you know, it's like formulaic and whatever. So, yeah, there is something kind of exciting about watching (laughs) a bad movie that's just truly bizarre, that, like, makes decisions that just, like, no, I mean, I I feel no rational person would sit there and be like, this is a good idea. (laughs) Um, And then there's no rational person that steps in and says, hey let's maybe we do it different. Like, like nobody steps to the plate. Everybody's just uh, loading up their truck with cantaloupes. And that's, uh, yep. that's, that's all they're focused on. But yeah, not, so not I upsetting re- the uh, cantaloupe cart. 
So I would recommend it uh, solely in that bad movie range. Um, it does not deserve for anything, uh, you know, any other reason. Uh, but yeah, it, it would make a fun get drunk with your friends kind of thing. Um, so uh, that's that's my recommendation for that one. Okay, so uh, moving on from that, can I find this? So Love on a Leash, not available too many places. I think it used to be on Amazon, but no, no longer is. If, uh, if you're looking for it, though, you can find it on Tubi, and it is uploaded for free on YouTube um, currently, and I doubt that it's, you know, I doubt anybody's going to be yanking that down. <laughs> so it's out there. Um, and then there is a DVD, amazingly enough, and you can get it for the low, low price of fourteen ninety five. What? So if you are looking wow. for Love on a Leash, you can you can be charged more for the DVD of that than you will be charged for a Blu-ray of a good film. There are many Blu-rays to, that are like $7. They're trying to reimburse the church that she scammed, you know, <laughs> with that, the proceeds from the DVDs. Well, yeah, so... Uh, I'll, wait for, I'll wait for the Criterion. <laughs> yes. I don't believe there's any Blu-ray for it. I can't imagine that it would... Much like Birdemic, I can't imagine that uh, it would look like anything at all. But uh, it is on DVD. Uh, okay, so that wraps us up for the truly heinous film, Love on a Leash. I'm almost positive the worst film we've looked at for the show. Um, definitely top three, yeah. but I, I I don't know that there's one that's worse that we've looked at. The Titanic the one, maybe? Uh, wait, just considering the production-wise, how terrible. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it's real. <laughs> I feel there was more talent in both those Titanic ones. As bad as the animation was, it still takes some amount of talent to animate. That's true. So, a talking cat is up there, but still better than this movie, which is saying yeah. something. <laughs> And I do think this is worse than Birdemic. I, I oh, do yeah. genuinely think this is worse than Birdemic. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, so it's real bad. And uh, if you want to put yourself through that, go for it. Um, hopefully this has been a fun and entertaining episode. I think it has been. Uh, I take the dream team here and, and put them through the ringer. So I'm going to have to come up with some <laughs> other heinous thing for them to watch Great. coming up in the awesome. future. Um, but, uh, that brings us to what we will be looking at next. So actually our, uh, next movie, we are going to be doing our, technically our second double feature. Cause we did our first double feature on the two Titanic movies. We did a couple of, um, looked at a couple of outer limits episodes and talked about the Terminator, which is, you know, sort of, sort of a double feature. And then we also did the, uh, the show and show pieces from Alan Moore, which I said was, you know, you it very loosely you could consider a double feature but for this is like our absolutely for sure second double feature of two actual feature films we're going to be looking at the brady bunch movie and a very brady sequel to uh two movies from the 90s that are far better i will say this on the show are far better than they have any right being um so wow. we will uh have uh uh a crew of people who've been on uh, some other episodes together and I think it's the same crew that we did um, Drop Dead Gorgeous for. So we're going to be looking at both Brady Bunch movies from the 90s and that is coming up next. After that we actually will be digging into our Halloween slate. So we have six episodes coming for Halloween so we'll actually be doing back to kind of like one episode a week uh, we'll be doing a, a greater clip for the Halloween ones because I love Halloween and many people on the show love Halloween. So Yay. we're not just going to do like two or three episodes. We're going to go a full six. So uh, keep posted, keep listening for um, 
for those because uh, we've got some interesting ones coming up for this Halloween. But yeah, first up, the Brady Bunch movies. See you then.